till I'm free and I'm bound. Ain't nothing that can take me down. I'ma find another way around. Roblox won't stop me now. Hey, welcome back. I'm assuming back. Uh, or if it's your first time, welcome to Off Kilter No Filter. I am Tammy, and I'm here with my partner, my wonderful, talented partner, Byron Alexander. Hey, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are talking about box office bombs. We talked a couple weeks ago about box office hits, uh, ones that you know we agreed with, ones that we didn't agree with, ones that we had seen, not seen, and so on, how much money they made, that kind of stuff. Um, today we're going to talk about the box office bombs. Also, we're, we're including uh, movies that we found were terrible and should have been on the list and maybe aren't. Uh, also, movies that didn't do well their first running when they first came out, but now are considered like cult classics. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about those too. Um, so I'm going to start today with... Um, so I, we do have the Wikipedia list up, but I found on a different website from 2021 data that the 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 movie that has failed the worst include with adjustments for inflation and that kind of stuff was unfortunately for it um was the movie uh the live action mulan that came out in 2020 yep because according to this website uh it had a one point oh i'm sorry 146.36 million dollar loss Oof. That's harsh. Because yeah. <laughs> the other list we have, what, what is that one? That one's like, what is that one? That one is like the 13th Warrior from 1999, which I never heard of. Oh, yeah. I, and it's, it's mm, you heard I've it? I've heard of it. I never saw it. Okay. Well, it's loss. It, it, um, again, it's got an adjustment there. So it actually still could be worse than Mulan. Because according to this, adjusted for inflation, it's like its loss was like 107 to 200 million dollars. Mm -hmm. Either way, it cost 100 million. Bottom line to make it, and it only grossed 61.7. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is so fucking sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, mm. Some of these movies... I never saw it. Well, okay. Rise of the Guardians, I actually went with my friend at the time to see. Um, mm -hmm. It was actually pretty good. It was a nice little holiday movie. But um, I think part of it, too, is the premise of it. Because um, it... Is that on the... That's on this list? Yeah. Or is that one a different it's one? It's on... It, it's... Oh, there it is. Yeah, okay. It's on the... 2012. Yeah. Wow. On the Wikipedia list, it. Um, mm -hmm. I remember liking the movie. The concept was cool. I think just probably as an adult, because um, it talked about, uh, you know, Saint Nick and Jack Frost and the Sandman mm -hmm. and, and how children believe in uh, these entities and why children believe in them, um, and kind of give them gave them like a, a superhero uh, kind of element to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Because Jack, long story short, Jack Frost existed, but the kids didn't really know who Jack Frost was. So he wasn't as powerful as mm -hmm. like St. Nick because everybody knows who Santa Claus is. Everybody knows who right. the Sandman is. Right. Um, and then the mm -hmm. Boogeyman was, of course, the antagonist. Um, but the kids believe in the Boogeyman. Right. Because he's going around scaring everybody. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. as an adult, um, I really liked the idea because it was talking about belief in things, you know, whether you do or don't, of course, is, is ultimately up to you. But, you know, through the eyes of a child, you know, that's how you explain the world around you. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I think two things happen with that. One, everything I just said will fly over your target demographic's head. And two, it was uh-huh. released during the <laughs> holiday and it wasn't focusing on Santa Claus. It was focusing on ah. um, mm-hmm. Jack Frost. So, and it was kind of like mis- mishmashing the different holidays together because I believe it came out. I mean, I could click on it. When did this movie come out? Let me see. This movie came out. 2012. And what's the release date? Oh, good. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. Uh, it was released. Um, uh, 2012. November. Yeah, November. So yeah, okay, but it had a yeah. mismatch of, um, mm-hmm. Christmas, Halloween, and Easter. Now, according to Wikipedia, it says its budget was 145 million and its box office was 306. So it says that it would make a profit, but it yeah. must be taken into account um, <clears throat> advertising as well. So when you take into account advertising, it's put on box office bombs because according to the list here, it now then says, oh shoot, they put it out of order. Go back, put it back in order. Put it back in order. There we go. <laughs> uh, it now then says that its budget was 200. It grossed 219. So there was a loss mm-hmm. of uh adjusted for well their nominal loss was 75 million adjusted for inflation is 86 million that's interesting mm-hmm. it's very interesting it is and you know it does have a lot of good uh voices in it as far as celebrities chris pine alec baldwin mm-hmm. hugh jackman mm-hmm. jude law so um I don't know, it's one of those things where like the movie itself i've never good, i've never heard of it i don't know and i had i you know liam was Young in 2012, he was seven, mm-hmm. and I've never heard of this movie. I don't know if it was like promoted that much. I, I don't know. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, maybe they didn't. I because yeah. yeah, I have never heard of this movie, mm. and that's that's kind of a shame because you know it's kind of interesting about you know fables mm-hmm. and you know what we tell children, what how children believe in things, and that that would be kind of interesting to me. I think. Yeah, I mean. I might have to just go find that blockbuster flop and check it out. It was cool. For me, it was right up my alley because it's in, you know, 3D. It's Mm -hmm. 3D animation. and That too, yeah. Yeah. I I enjoyed it personally. It's DreamWorks. It's DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. And DreamWorks always has, you know, really good animation Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I think DreamWorks too, as a company, they're always, at least from what they produce, they're always questioning those those types of things or exploring those things and mm-hmm, not in a mm-hmm. in a subversive way but just like again it's trying to as best you can anyway quantify these kind of theoretical things right because um, it's the same thing with Shrek you know they're, that's their um, exploration yeah. of fairy tales you know um, the good, right. the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? <laughs> so yeah, um, right, yeah, right. So I mean, it's like it's the same. It's the same thing, I, th- I think, with uh, with Rise of the Guardians. I guess, again, just because it was released during the Christmas holiday season and everything I just said as far as the, the theoretical expo- exploration of it, you know, it's definitely going to fly over your target demographic of being anywhere between 6 and 10 years old. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. So that's probably part of the reason why it's not... Um, 
lower on the list because it shouldn't be higher on the list. That means it lost more money. So it should be lower on the list. (laughs) Right. Yeah. A lot of inverses here. (laughs) I I find it interesting because, again, you know, looking through this list, just this list alone that's on Wikipedia, which is, you know, it's a it's a good comprehensive list. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll get to the ones that I think should be on there later. Uh, But looking at it, um, there's I have not there's. There's more movies I have not heard of on this list. Uh, and definitely more movies I have not seen on this list. Um, but I will say this. Okay, so I did see The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay. And I did not see I'm that. I'm surprised it had that high of a budget. I'm surprised it had that high of a budget. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it was 2000, so, you know, okay. it is what it is. But, um... And so that one was, that one was, it was all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, it was what it is, you know, like it's an animated of Rocky and Bullwinkle. And if, if any listeners don't know who Rocky and Bullwinkle are, goddamn, you're young because <laughs> the rest of us not. The closest that they would have <laughs> oh, yeah, to it yeah. is Supernatural. And then when Crowley calls them Moose and Squirrel, that's it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle are Canadian cartoons, along with George of the Jungle and Dudley Do Right. They're all Canadian-made uh, cartoons that came out way back in the '70s and '80s and stuff. And you, you know, you can look them up on YouTube. And they're they're funny. They are what they are. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle are just um, I don't know. You just have to watch it. I can't even describe it. Really. <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, because I just can't. But you know, the the, the movie kind of does it justice it's it's fine i mean it is what it is i when i watched that movie i expected it to be exactly what it was <laughs> now here's the deal i did not see it in the movie theater i waited till that came out on and that yeah back in 2000 you know i i waited till it came out on dvd so i i did not pay a full ticket for that either mm. i've never seen and if i remember correctly i didn't pay for it at all because my my ex-mother-in-law at the time she would of course, get DVDs and then uh, rip one right on on her computer, and then make copies for the whole family. <laughs> now, here's the thing: technically illegal in a way, but she never charged money for it. <laughs> right? So, mm-hmm. so she like she like thought she had a loophole, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> you know, the FBI warning <laughs> says any any duplicate of this is is subject any to any duplicate. Yeah. But it's right. It's the same thing when now, you record stuff off TV. Here's the thing, though. Right? Yeah, or off the radio. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When I was when I was a kid, I used to sit there in front of the radio with one finger on record and one finger on play because you had to push play and record at the same time for cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And I recorded like every song off the radio. Yeah. Never charge anybody for it. They end up in the garbage later on anyway. Because then later, you know, when you can afford it. Because I was like 13, 14, 15 years old. Couldn't afford to go buy the record album or the cassette tape. Because that's what it was back in 1983. Oh. But, <laughs> you know, and so I couldn't afford to, to purchase it. And now you have, you know, streaming services like like Pandora and definitely Spotify and so now, you know, you don't have to worry about that. I pay $10 a month for me and Liam to have access to a bajillion songs. Every song that's probably ever made is somewhere on Spotify. Yep. So it's different, you know, back then. So anyway, so that's back to, back to this. <laughs> Digress way too much. That's, that's again, that's, that's the off kilter, you know. Right. Um, but my mother-in-law, 
my ex-mother-in-law was she she did she would do that for all the family members that was kind of her hobby you know nobody said anything about it because it was her hobby and seriously uh so I, that's i'm pretty sure that's how i watched that so i didn't even get money at all mm-hmm. uh would i have had she not been doing that probably not i probably never would have seen the adventures of rocky and bullwinkle had my mother-in-law not handed it to me at the time and said here you know mm-hmm. joy joy might want to watch this that kind of mm-hmm. stuff because you know i i watched joy was the like original five i watched the original <laughs> with my parents um, when I was younger, the TV yeah. show, and I remember yeah. liking mm-hmm. it as a kid, and then you know you get older and you grow out of it because you see how how corny it is. But you know, it, and then it yeah. then it has the nostalgia factor because you know it came out in like, uh-huh. like the late sixties, early seventies, whatever. Um, but right. and I, I like Natasha, right? <laughs> well, and and I I think uh, like Whoopi Goldberg was in it. And in adventure, yeah, I yeah. think so. And mm-hmm. I I really did like her. Um, Cause I like Sister Act or whatever, so I kind of wanted to see it really just oh, to I see her sister. and to see them actually do Rocky and Bullwinkle in the quote unquote real world. But yeah. I never saw yeah. it, and, and honestly, even as a kid, I knew it was going to be really bad. So I didn't really feel like I was missing yeah. anything. <laughs> and it turns out, right? Yeah, I guess the box office said the same thing. It's like you're not missing anything. That's why it's on this list. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay, so scrolling down, I'm looking at, okay, I'm looking at some of these, and I'm like, oh, I think I saw that. No, I didn't. It's a remake. So, okay, here's here's a note to people. Stop fucking remaking movies that did well in the box office the first time. Yeah, right? Like Ben. Like Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur was a box office epic back in, like, 1950-something. So then they re-fucking do it, Right? And it's it's it, I never saw it because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rewatch a movie that was considered like an epic movie <laughs> back in the 1950s. Why? And they redid it in 2016. Why? Mm-hmm. Nobody liked. I mean, people liked it back then because you know 1950s big giant Technicolor, you know, or Panavision or whatever it was. But now, no. <laughs> and and they did that with several different things. They remade shit that they never should have remade. Mm-hmm. And it takes, and of course it does. Now here's the other thing. So the the Steven Spielberg movie, BFG. I I think that one failed because everybody was like, is that a big fucking giant? What the fuck does the F stand for? Because when I see BFG, I think big fucking giant or big fucking, you know, whatever. Yeah. So the F is, you put a B and an F next to each other, I promise you my mind automatically says big fucking. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just wonder if advertisement, because I never saw that movie and I just, you know, I wasn't. And also, uh, I know I'm jumping around a bit, but Beloved from 1998, here's yeah. here's the problem with that. That book is is so heavy. It leans <laughs> it leans left toward magical realism and magical realism does not come across on the big screen well. Mm-hmm. And it's got wonderful names in it and wonderful acting, but it's it's because of the 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 way the story is and who beloved is, it just does not it does not come across. Yeah on the big screen very well. And as a kid, I remember Beloved and Eve's Bayou coming out around the same time. Mm-hmm. I didn't see mm-hmm. either one mm-hmm. of those, so I'll be completely transparent. 
but I do remember seeing the um, the advertisement around both of the movies, and Oprah was involved um, in both of them. Because mm-hmm, I know, because mm-hmm. Oprah had like a very close relationship with Toni Morrison and um, Eve's Bayou. I believe she produced or had a hand in producing. Mm-hmm, I have to double check mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, um, 1998, I was 11, and <laughs> yeah. Um, so as a kid, again with both of those movies coming out, I thought incorrectly, but I thought they were the same movie, or at least about and they, and they oh, had yeah, like yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, a mm-hmm. similar subject matter to an extent right again this is somebody who's yeah. never seen it but as a kid like i'm picking up on different parts right sure and so mm-hmm. for the longest time i thought beloved and eve ease value were the same or at least um was basically like a continuation of the same story like i guess for oh, lack yeah. of a better uh better understanding it was like in the same universe basically mm-hmm. um, again mm-hmm. incorrectly but that's that's what I got from it. And then when I learned about Beloved, listening to Toni Morrison um, interviews, I'm like, oh, that's what that was about. And so then you get on your friend Wikipedia and then you look up, you know, when things, uh, well, she didn't write when things fall apart, but she references things uh, fall apart, uh, Chinua Achebe. So you look mm-hmm. at that and then you read that yeah. and then you read. I like that book. Um, was it, I've never read the book, but I read the Wikipedia, so I know what goes on. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. It's, it's right? good. Or, mm-hmm. um, and then beloved or uh, jazz, um, you mm-hmm. know. I guess we could do a whole t- uh, uh, episode on Toni Morrison, but you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a specific part mm-hmm. that I really like with Toni Morrison. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that all all of that is, uh, being said, uh, you're right. Like the learning the subject matter of beloved, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know mm-hmm. how that would translate to cinema. It's it's really. Yeah, and, and even the depiction here well, is that it's a, a psychological horror, and I'm like, I don't know if that would actually. I don't know if that's the correct designation. Like, I don't think it is either, right? and that's that's part of the problem. Is that's not what it that's not what it is. Right. That's not what it's about. It's not supposed to be a psych. I mean, obviously, you know, there's issues, psychological issues in there, of course, mm-hmm. because these are former slaves. Right. But and, and and you know shortly enough and and they're escaped slaves so it's not mm-hmm. it's not like you know that that there's not some kind of psychological issue there but not the way not psychological horror drama right like psychological <laughs> it's not the way it's that, not, it's not her dead daughter in a sense but like it sounds it it sounds it makes it sound like a Shyamalan Ding Dong movie exactly you know psychological horror drama this is this is not I see dead people it's not like that this this is a whole different. Mm-hmm. Thing in in and of itself, mm-hmm. so yeah, I I don't know. I mean that that one I I love the book, but I never saw the movie. But I can understand why it didn't do well. Mm-hmm. But okay, I do want to say uh, I'm gonna jump down and then I'm gonna stop dominating here for a second. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner 2049. Now let me just say this. Okay, the newest one. Uh, the newest one. Okay, came out in 2017. Yes. right. It's it's called Blade Runner 2049. Yes. Okay, so the other night. Three nights ago, okay, well, actually, way back when, in 1983 or 5, when the first Blade Runner came out, um, it didn't do all that great at first. It was only released for five weeks, actually, uh, and then it disappeared. I saw it in the theater with my mom. There's a lot of stuff in there that is, like, you watch it now and you're like, mm, 
but you know uh it was written a long longer ago than actually when it was made into a movie the movie is the original movie is not uh it's only partially like the book that was based on in fact the author of the book uh sued uh, the makers of that film because he didn't like the way that they did it. But anyway, oh. that was Philip K. Dick. The The original movie is based off of the novel um, Do Androids Dream of Electronic Sheep? Uh, because Andrew uh, Philip K. Dick, sorry, is a was a uh, science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. For the most part, science fiction. Um, but anyway, so the original one I, I liked when I saw it because I was like fully, full-blown enamored with Harrison Ford, right? And it came out in, like, 1985, which is just two years after, uh, like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff. So, of course, you know, I'm I'm head over heels, you know, over backwards over this man who's twice my age. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, but, so... Doug and I were like, you know, we're, we're always trying to find something to watch because we could spend hours just, you know, looking at what to watch. We've talked about that, you know, but I can sit there forever looking at Netflix or Hulu or whatever, trying to decide what to watch. So we were like, okay, we've never seen Blade Runner 2049. Let's go ahead and watch it. But we had to, of course, the, being the people that we are, we have to watch the first one first, right? They are not the same. It's a different storyline, but it, it connects to the first one. So we watched the first one, and we're like, yeah, that's kind of got some cringy parts in it, but whatever, you know, it was made a long time ago. So there it is. So then last night, we watched, was it last night? No, night before last. Monday night, right? Mm-hmm. Monday night, we watched Blade Runner 2049. Dear fucking God, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, I, oh my God. And here's the worst part. Here's the worst part. Harrison Ford's not in it till the last 10 goddamn minutes of the movie. Um, uh, more than that. It's about more like 35 minutes. But the movie is two hours and 43 fucking minutes long without ads or credits. <laughs> Who wants to sit in a movie that's two hours and 43 minutes long? Nobody does. Well, unless it's an Avengers movie. It sucks. <laughs> okay, this is okay. All right. And you know how I'm not a huge, you know I'm not a huge superhero you know, like adventure movie fan, but I would I would sit through days worth of adventure movies to not ever watch this movie. Again. <laughs> it is so bad. And I'm sorry, the first Blade Runner came out in 1983, uh, which is right around the same time, you know, just two years after Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, you know, still a buff Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, and, of course, right before uh, Empire Strikes Back comes out. So, uh, uh, but I, it just, it was slow. It was so slow. The acting is, is ugh, I'm, n- no offense, I'm just, I'm not a big Ryan Gosling fan. Not many people I just, are. Yeah. And I mean, and I say and that it just as far as like bringing in money, like his his, mm-hmm. his um retention is only like eleven million dollars when it comes yeah. to his movies. It's like so he has enough of a fan base to consistently make eleven million dollars at the box office. But mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, if he's not a part of um like a larger ensemble, like if he's leading the movie, like he was with Blade Runner yeah. twenty twenty nine. Like he's not really a leading man. Um, no. And that, well, and there's better actors in there. Obviously, Harrison Ford and um, Jared Leto is in it, mm-hmm. and he plays his part really well. Well, he plays the asshole bad guy well. <laughs> I think that's part of it too. Is that um, some of these movies, 
it depends on who the leading person is, who the lead is, right? I mean, that's the yeah. whole point of them as a lead. Yeah. Um, and Brian Gosling is, in my opinion, like he's he's okay as a um, again as an part of an ensemble, but mm-hmm. he's not a draw for you know. No. To, and honestly, and it's no. not even just like personal preference; like it shows in the box office like it shows in the numbers yeah. if he's he, just he's just not he's not if he was more of a draw good um because i think part of it too is that i think isn't he he's popular because of um was it the notebook or whatever which i didn't see um, yeah yeah you know, i think it's that one but after With he rachel mcadams yeah and once he moved out of like that kind of teen heartthrob uh uh phase um you know, mm-hmm. he didn't really transition into leading man status as as the formula is supposed to, you know, kind of play out, right? Like, it, like mm-hmm. that's the formula. It doesn't mean it works for everybody, but the 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 formula, the system, as we always talk about, means that yeah. okay, <laughs> you start as a child star because he is a child actor. He was like on the Mickey Mouse Club and stuff. Was he? Mm-hmm. Oh goddamn yeah. it! I'm so tired of the Mickey Mouse Club. Stop pumping that shit out. Uh, <laughs> did, did they still do the Mickey Mouse? It's Club? a baby factory. I don't know, but it's a baby factory. Yeah, it is. It is like it is like a hey, let's ruin their lives factory. Yeah, true. That's <laughs> the entertainment business as a whole. Anyway, uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it did give us you know some of our greatest people, but at the same time, you can you've seen how many E True Hollywood stories and behind the musics. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, he started as a child. And for those of you who are too young, too, well, hey, as those of you too young, you got YouTube. Look it up. Um, exactly. Right, but yeah, he started as a child star. Um, then he became, you know, the kind of like tween or whatever, and then teen heartthrob, and then you transition to leading man. Um, women follow yeah. the same traje- the same trajectory in a sense, um, starting out as child actresses, and then the girl next door trope, and then the sex kitten after you become uh, uh, eighteen, right? Or you yeah. can do that, or become um, a leading lady. But there are certain leading lady, of course, carries certain uh, connotations in different contexts as well. Right. But anyway, all that being said, um, what's that man's name? Ryan Gosling. Um, yeah. It did not work out for him. He's not a leading man. Uh-uh. He is. He's more of an ensemble player. He's good as a as yeah. part of a group, and he can do his part. He he's very. Uh, he can complement. A project very well with his skill or his talent but he cannot yeah, lead yeah. it so far i mean obviously things yeah. can change like if he finds the right director or the right sure, project sure, sure. whatever of course but then that's Maybe. an exception that's not the rule yeah See? yeah anyway. no i agree i agree he's yeah and and you know uh harrison ford being in it you know like i said he's only in it for like 30 35 minutes so it's not it's not about him mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not his movie. Mm. Whereas, you know, there's there's others on here that Harrison Ford is in that didn't didn't do well. But again, it's not necessarily his movie. Like Call of the Wild is not his movie. Mm. You know, he's not, he's only in it a short time also in, in that movie also. Or Ender's you know, it's not Game. his his that one. Ender's Game. Yeah, he was in that a short thing too. I mean, those aren't his movies. Mm. They're not are wrapped around his character. Um I was kind of um I'll just I'll just say uh let's see i i was i guess i was surprised at a few of these that were on here Mm -hmm. um 
Again, people need to stop redoing shit. The man from Uncle, let it alone. The Lone Ranger, god damn it. Leave it alone. I saw the Lone Ranger. Seriously. Uh, Lone Ranger, it, it was a box office bomb because of the controversy with, um, in part anyway, with um, Johnny Depp playing uh, a Native American character, Tonto. And then, yeah. um, since Johnny Depp at the time was still a draw... Uh, for the box office um, I It was so weird I overheard one of the ushers At the movie theater It's like how do you kill your movie By taking your biggest star And putting him behind a whole bunch of makeup So he's unrecognizable It's like I mean he's not He's yes. not wrong <laughs> Yeah that's true, it's true Yeah like he's, he's not wrong Well and Johnny Depp's losing his, his shit anyway Because mm-hmm. you know he's, he's too now invested in the Jack Sparrow character yeah. That like everything he plays is just Jack Sparrow Yeah And it, it's uh, irritating um, I will say this too Sahara Uh Okay, so I've read a lot of Clive Cussler books, and this is another book. This is another movie that is based on a book. Um, And the book is really good uh, for what it is. I'm not a huge Clive Cussler fan. I mean, he did did change over time, but he started writing the 1970s, and his books are from the 1970s and stuff. They are thrillers, but they're very misogynistic. Um, I guess it shows signs of the times, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He gets better as he gets older, and then he died a couple of years ago. But um, but this movie was so miscast. <laughs> like, anybody that read the book looked at the movie and went, what the fuck? <laughs> There's no way Steve Zahn... So, okay, so Steve Zahn is in this movie with Matthew McConaughey, okay? Mm-hmm. And Steve Zahn's character is supposed to be this big, burly guy that actually looks somewhat like the guy that plays uh, Dax or whatever in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's supposed to be kind of built like that, only a little bit shorter. Okay. Oh, Dave. But they okay. got Steve Zahn in there. <laughs> Steve Zahn is, I'm sorry, he's a wuss compared to <laughs> Dave <you> Bautista. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, Dave Bautista is a little bit taller than, than, than the character Monk's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But he's built like what that character is supposed to be. Steve Zahn is like nowhere near in any kind of way. Uh, and, you know, the, the character is supposed to have like a, a fairly deep voice and be, you know, very slightly aggressive. And Steve Zahn is like a whiner <laughs> from hell. <laughs> it's, just, it's just sad because I think, I think what really ruined this movie was the fact that it was miscast. And honestly, if anybody knows uh, about... Um, the main character of of Clive Cussler's uh, books, uh, Dirk Pitt, Matthew McConaughey is not Dirk Pitt either. Mm. He, it just the the whole thing was just I watched it and went nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and so anybody that watched the watched any of the advertisements probably said the same thing if they had ever read those books. Mm. Like nope, it doesn't. Doesn't know. Uh-uh. I'm curious. I mean. Maybe this will this will require a follow up episode, but I have to go through and see how many of these are um, are adaptations of books. Cause I've seen a few, but mm-hmm, like because mm-hmm. you always have that the book was better than the movie yeah. type of thing, right? Um, and a, part of that too yeah. is that you know the books are usually in uh, their series. And of course, books have yeah. more time to flesh out characters, and then of course, as the reader, exactly. you have more time to become mm-hmm. invested in the character. And usually, what ends up happening is that these books um, 
or that these movies, excuse me, try to take the entire series and condense it mm-hmm. into, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. True. Um, yeah, you know, that, that does right? happen. Except for, of course. And not every, not every money. Yeah. I was going to say, except for, of course, what the, well, the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings and um, Harry Potter. And Harry Potter's. Yeah. 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 Very both, both very successful series mm-hmm. um, of movies based upon, and of course they left stuff out, but as far as, you know, hardcore Tolkien fans or hardcore Rowling fans, almost everybody was like, no, that I, it, if, if I was to do the movie, this is how I would do it. it, it but, but here's the thing, both of them, big budgets mm-hmm. for sure, and both of them had big directors, mm-hmm. and both of them had big composers, mm-hmm. and both of them had so much fucking advertisement mm-hmm. For a year or more before that movie came out, the very first one mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings, before that one came out, and then of course Harry Potter's on everything. It's like toys at McDonald's and all that shit before the first movie even came out. Well, and and I Rowling think that's is, part of it too because she, she was part of the production. Like she wanted to make it's her book. Exactly, so, and that's yeah. part of it too. Mm-hmm. And Tolkien's son was part of the production. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was was part of the whole thing when it came. It came to a Lord of the Rings, so I think that has a lot to do with it too. Like I said, Philip K. Dick was very not happy with the the way they did some stuff, and there's been several others too. Actually, Clive Cussler, Clive Cussler sued uh, the makers of Sahara because when when he they were done with it, he was like, "No, this again characterization completely fucking wrong," mm-hmm. and then the whole entire thing it made it look campy. Mm-hmm. So compared to what he wanted, yes. and so he he was he was very pissed off about that too. So I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with the author being right there. Yeah, you know, as as a consultant, mm-hmm. watching it, agreeing to things. Yeah, yeah. Well, good it, for her. Good for Rowling. Yeah, like well, that was the same thing with uh, uh, Doctor Seuss's widow um, when the Cat in the Hat movie came out in 2003. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, why is that not on this list? That's terrible. Right. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to those that should be on right. the list. Well, she she was just like, this is not what my husband had in mind. Like that's not what, what the cat in the hat is and is supposed to yeah. be. No, um, it wasn't. So she wasn't. she said no. There will no. There will not be any further live adaptations. Even though they did the Grinch, so I don't know. Whatever. But uh, that's different, though. I think that's different because I I that one actually isn't bad. Mm-hmm comparatively maybe yeah i guess that's the maybe that's the reasoning and no offense to mike myers no offense to mike myers at all because some of his characters i absolutely i i will always defend and love forever and always austin powers mm-hmm. of course yeah very but funny. the grinch yeah i just it, had to right. once just once but but the grinch you know jim carrey mm-hmm. uh it's really hard to compare those two because uh mike myers isn't the same type of physical humor that Jim Carrey is. True. Yeah, that's true. And they made another Grinch my, 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 in 2017, I think it was. It was a 3D. There's a 3 3D animated one. Stop this. They need to stop this. It's it it, it <laughs> Stop redoing right shit. It's the holidays. It, it makes money. Why not? <laughs> Somebody better come up with something fucking new, man. Oh my gosh! I look. Ugh. I guarantee you, once everything dies down, somebody going to try and redo Thriller. They already did it already. Oh no! You, it's gonna be, well, it's gonna be Justin Creston Flake, Usher, or um, or or hell, Justin <laughs> Justin Bieber. It'll be one of them. Or Chris, what's his face? Chris Brown. It'll be one of them. 
Maybe one of them wants everything. Or the other one. What's 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 the other one? Um, what's his name? He actually dressed as Prince at the. At oh, uh, what the weekend? No, no, different one. Um, see, this is really bad when all your pop acts are basically the same that you can't tell them apart because they all do their best. Michael Jackson or Prince. Right. Well. Exactly. Well, the, this one, this one's saying uh, today I don't feel like doing anything. Oh, Bruno Mars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Bruno Mars could play it so well, but I don't want him to. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it yeah. alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If anybody, okay, here's here's where I blow up the world. This is when I start becoming a. How would you call this? If I'm a terrorist going after people who want to redo things that are perfect the way they are, what what kind of terrorist would I be? A Twitter. We'll Nazi. have to think of that because I'm just kidding. It, it, I don't want I don't want Nazi on there. I don't want to. I'm I'm white, Byron. I do not want um, <laughs> the word Nazi yeah, associated with me yeah, in any kind of way. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying if anybody ever tries to redo Star Wars or Indiana Jones or anything like that, I'm going to blow up the world. Oh, yeah. Period. Yeah. Hmm. Period. And I'll do that with if they if somebody tries to redo Thriller or whatever too, I'll blow up the yeah. world. I'm done. Cause, no. I mean, it's different from being a tribute. Some things have to be left yeah. alone. Like paying homage Some... or paying tribute is one thing, but it. Right. Yeah. This I'm gonna do my version of uh, of Thriller, and it's going to be this and that. And th no, 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 no. You're not. No. You're going to leave it. No. Alone. I'm gonna blow up the world. Yeah, leave it alone. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. The people need to. First of all, if you're going to remake something, oh my God, you are not an artist. You need to come up with something fucking new. Mm -hmm. And if you can't come up with something fucking new, go work at 7-Eleven or something. Because <laughs> honestly, let it go. Stop redoing people's shit. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Even the bad movies or videos or whatever, leave them, let them be the way they are. That is part of history. And I'm not talking about cancel culture. You're, you're doing a redo culture, and I don't want that. <laughs> I, I want it to stay the way it is. It can stay crappy. It's okay. We don't need to redo, you know, the Lone Ranger. Dear God, that that should have stayed the way it was. <laughs> nobody stop redoing Peter Pan for Christ's yeah, sake. Nobody did ask for the Lone Robin Ranger. Hood. They redid Robin Hood, and I liked the one with Kevin Costner. I liked that Robin Hood. Hmm. It's like stop it. It doesn't. None of these things need to be redone because they're pretty, they are what they were, and they need to stay that way. Some. Um... And that's why you. That's why they fail yeah. because that's why a lot of those fail because they're crap. And those that, of us that saw the original were like, mm, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> you true. failed. That's true. Because well, Netflix or streaming now, you can say, oh, let's re let's do a reboot of this, this, and that. It's like, but why? Like, let it let it be. Look, I don't need a reboot yeah. of Living Single. Um, I would no. I would like uh -uh. to see. A kind of like what they were doing in the in the mid '90s, early 2000s, where they do like a reunion episode um, to see like sure, where one, they are. One reunion yeah, miniseries, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I would do that. Like if it was a if it was a, a streaming service, let's say ten episodes mm -hmm. of Living Single, twenty five years later. That's fine. That's different mm -hmm. versus you know recasting and rebooting, rebooting the whole, the whole thing like i don't i don't want to i don't yeah. want that like there's charmed now mm -mm. i don't want to i don't watch the new uh -uh. Charmed. i watched the i watched the original yeah. it doesn't really hold up i mean it's a nighttime so so are you but... going to blow up the world are you going to blow up the world if they try to 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 do a reboot of buffy 
Tell me that'll be your blow up world no, thing. No, because I'm not that invested in Buffy. I love Buffy, the original, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not that serious for me. Okay. If they were to redo, like, <laughs> if somebody scared. tried to do their best rhythm nation and, and say that it's something new, then then we got a problem. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know. Buffy, Buffy's cool. I, I do love me some Buffy, the original, but it's not, it's not world ending for me. For me. So here's where somebody's going to say, okay, well, here's where somebody would say, oh, but Tammy, you're being hypocritical because you like Battlestar Galactica reimagined. Ah. Yeah, but it is so different. But it, but, but it is so ridiculously different than the first one. It's not a reboot. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't. They it's changed the characters. It's not rebooted. <laughs> it's reimagined, right? So like, so like the the character Starbuck, right? That's a call sign now instead of just his actual name, and it's not even a he. It's a female now. Uh-huh. And so there's there's like a whole. It's like a it it takes the basic premise. Mm-hmm. And then it goes completely a different direction. Now that's so that's different, different because yeah. that's not redoing it mm-hmm. w- almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's 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 you know taking something um, and changing it, and it's better actually. Usually, <laughs> if you go back and watch the original Bastard Galactic from 1980. You're like, oh, holy yeah. hell! Well, it's it's the same thing with comic books. <laughs> we'll take a part of somebody's mm-hmm. mythology and then tell that story. That's what Elseworlds are in right. comic books. That's what your Bible stories are the same thing. If you just tell mm-hmm. the same story of Moses, uh, it gets boring after a while. We've seen this story, but if you take yeah. a part of Moses' story and then take mm-hmm. that to the nth degree, well, now that's something different. It's still the story of Moses. It's just from maybe a different perspective. Why don't you tell the story of Moses right. and tell the story of Moses' uh, Moses's mother? How how hard it was for yeah. her to give up a child or, or what may have you. What was her the thought backstory, process, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't you talk? That's why the Prince of Egypt was um, so different because it was the story of Moses, yeah. but it was told, it was reimagined. Also, of course, it had the whole- I liked that. Are you talking about the animated? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. Right. I mean, it was, was it was good. a reimagining of the story of Moses. But also, the story of Moses is Superman, for crying out loud. So it's the same thing. Yeah, it you is. See that? <laughs> like, it's the same. It's the story yeah. of Moses, but it's a reimagining of it. If you do that, right. that makes things good. Because now that makes the characters more interesting. That makes the story more interesting. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. part of the reason how uh, uh, these stories uh, perpetuate, how they continue, how you pass it down from generation to generation. Because... It may have been, you know, biblical tales in your parents' generation or the generation before, but now that you have Technicolor animation, both 2D and 3D, now you have it as the story of Superman. It's the same thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, that's well, why it's, it's like the, when they take... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like when they when they take, like, Shakespeare stuff, exactly. right? And they make movies out of Shakespeare stuff, like... Uh, let's see. Ten things I hate about you is Taming of the Shrew, um, and and uh, uh, West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet. Um, you know that that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it is a different way of telling the same story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see what you're saying mm-hmm. exactly. Um, speaking of that, um, so we talk about mm-hmm. Moses and Superman. John Carter uh, is yeah. is Superman, but the problem <laughs> is. Uh, general audiences were introduced to Superman first. So John Carter yeah. goes to another planet, and because his biology is different and interacts with that planet, he gains what would basically be superpowers. He can't fly, but he can jump quite high, 
which means he can jump far distances. Superman could not fly yeah. originally. He could jump very high and therefore very far. He could leap tall buildings in a single bound. John Carter can do the same thing. John Carter as a character was created first, but Superman became popular first. Therefore, to the public consciousness, Superman comes before John Carter. Ah, yeah, okay. Because I had never heard of John Carter actually till that movie came out. I never saw the movie, but it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it was a box office flop for sure. I don't know. Is it on this list? I didn't see it on this it's list, right but before Rise, it is there. Right, it is yeah, yeah, right over. Well, when I I, yeah. I put it by year, so um, God, it had a big ass budget. Did. It didn't was a it? Disney movie. They put a lot Holy of money into God. it because they wanted to. This is before their MCU days. They wanted to turn John Carter into. Um, uh, their newest or latest franchise at the time because John the books of John Carter um, is expansive I forget how many there are in the in the series but um, they basically they did it as kind of like their competition to the Harry Potter right if Warner Brothers had Harry mm-hmm, Potter when mm-hmm. Disney was going to have John Carter but it didn't um, it didn't materialize for them and then um, you know they started the MCU yeah. and then here we are with that but the, yeah, I bring that up because it's the same thing with um, the of our mythology, whether that's in uh, the Christian pantheon, Greek mythology, um, because mm-hmm. we learn about those first as children. We learn, um, especially in the United States, we learn uh, Bible stories is what we call them, but it's mythology. Right. We learn that first. Yeah, it is. Then mm-hmm. we learn mm-hmm. Greek mythology. Right. And then we're taught as we taught. We're taught those things as if they're separate instead of like learning, like how they cross over with each other. And then if you get right. if you're once you get older and you actually take the classes because you have to be one, have the access to take the classes, but two, the inclination to take the classes. Um, you learn that Greek mythology came first. And if depending on who your teacher is, they'll tell you Greek mythology uh, was bled into Christianity because the king converted to Christianity, but that still leaves out Egyptian mythology unless you uh, specialize in that. And again, you have to have an inclination or mm-hmm. curiosity to do so, which predates Christianity. And then, yes. right, if you go even further, there are several cultures that predate that. And once you start mm-hmm. um, getting into that, you start to see how things all line up. The names may be different. But the end result is the same. So again, sure, John sure. Carter, Superman, Moses. You see how that works? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, because when it comes to the uh, the whole story of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, it's the same story as I think it's Horus, mm-hmm. Egyptian god Horus. I think so. And then the whole idea of heaven hell with a, a, a monotheistic god and an evil you know satan or whatever you want to call it, i don't know the evil the evil being mm-hmm. uh, if you believe in that type of thing uh comes from zoroastrianism which predates christianity christianity and judaism mm-hmm. and it predates all of that actually so those those are you know yeah and those are their their myths so yes you're mm-hmm. right it's all in the retelling. Mm-hmm. Well, then again, you know, there supposedly there's only like five plots out there anyway. Right. Well, then the core story is who am I? Like, who am I in this yeah. world or in this universe? <laughs> you know. But, it, like, it, some of these movies, 
Um, John Carter. That's why I personally liked John Carter because I could, being a superhero person, it's like, wait, that's Superman. Mm -hmm. And they're learning, oh, well, Superman came after John Carter, but again, Superman was more popular, so, right? And the same thing, you would learn the story of, especially like, as a kid, I learned of Superman before I learned of Moses, personally. Yeah. But um, it wasn't until I was older that I made that connection. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, fast forward, watch John Carter. I was like, oh, this movie's pretty interesting or whatever. Wait, he's doing a lot of stuff that Superman can do. Then go on Wikipedia and read about John Carter and go, oh, okay. So John Carter was created in the late 1800s, like the 1890s, I think. Um, I, wow. I'm sitting here on Wikipedia. Like, I could See, look I know this nothing. up. But <laughs> yeah. But anyway, long story <laughs> yeah. short. Um, you know, John Carter was conceived before the character of Superman was conceived. Superman didn't come about until the 1930s. John Carter was conceived in the late 1890s, I believe, or early 1900s. So he had a whole, you know, 30 year start. Um, mm-hmm. Right. But because of the medium of comic books and the the advent of superheroes, right? Superman being one of the first with all these like basically godlike powers and being a stand-in mm-hmm. for God, basically, right? And the mm-hmm. ideal of what America saw itself with the Midwestern values and the truth, justice, and now will interject the American way. That idea is what became popular and has persisted since Superman's inception. Well, John Carter, unfortunately, right. isn't part of that conversation. So if anybody's going to talk about John Carter, the first comparison that they'll make is Superman instead of the other way around. It's the same thing with music. When you hear something that is sampled for you as a listener who's hearing the sampled version, you think that's the original because that's your first time hearing it. Whereas your parents who grew up with the original says, no, you're not listening to, (laughs) uh, let's see, what's sampled? Uh, Hmm. What's what's a good one? Uh, it takes two to make the. Uh, it takes two to make oh, the yeah. music right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, for me, I'm listening to. I want to rock right now. I'm gonna like right. I'm rock <laughs> bass and I can't get it down. That's the original for me. But for my mom, yeah. she knows the original. So I would say, mm-hmm, wow, mm-hmm. when I hear the original, hey, that's you know Rob Bass and whatever, whatever. I don't know their names. Right. It's like no, Rob Bass is copying whomever the original singer that is because I don't know her name either but you see what I'm saying <laughs> yes oh I absolutely see what you're saying yes definitely right well definitely yeah I, I see what you're no. saying anyway mm-hmm. that's my off kilter for today uh... <laughs> well there's there's are there any other movies on that list you want to talk about before we talk about movies that should be on that list um, I, <laughs> or mm-hmm. the movies that I found that that they said didn't do well when they first came out but became cult classics afterwards yeah um, I will just say I personally like some of these some of these movies didn't do well but they just because they didn't mm-hmm. do, well, do well doesn't mean they were bad movies um, like which one my per- well, and of course that's like personal taste but like besides John, besides John Carter uh, R.I.P.D. <laughs> was actually pretty good um, ripped R.I.P.D. It had um, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan. Well, I was about to say Ryan Gosling. That is not his name. Reynolds. Thank you. Yes, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> definitely, he's definitely more of a box office drawer, though. He is definitely more of a mm-hmm. a leading man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that went, and Kevin Bacon was in it. Um, oh damn! I gotta add him to the list. Oh, 
for for six <laughs> for six degrees, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Jeff Bridges too. Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Bridges was. There. Yep. I love Jeff Bridges. Mm, it was. It was basically supposed to be, I guess, like Men in Black, but for the afterlife. So of course, like Men in Black, they keep the world safe from aliens. Well, R.I.P.D. keeps the world safe from bad spirits or oh. or, or mal- They. It was actually pretty good. The concept, and it's a comic book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it. I I enjoyed it personally. Um, there were some twists in there that I did not see coming. Well, that's um, always good. Yeah. So I. I personally enjoyed that movie, but apparently it didn't do that well. Sometimes when when these movies come out, um, not only is it because they're uh, adaptations of books, um, that plays a part of it, or again, leading man or leading woman status, that plays a part in it. Also, um, just timing. Like sometimes these movies are released at the most inopportune times because yeah. they're released um, as counter-programming to larger blockbusters or um, they're released during holidays that just don't necessarily fit the movie yeah um you know so there's that like like we said at the beginning you know rise of the guardians was released during the holidays because it had holiday characters in it but it had a bunch of holiday mm-hmm. characters yeah. in it, so yeah. it doesn't make sense to release it during christmas <laughs> yeah because it was it was saint nick the easter bunny the sandman the boogeyman and jack frost it's like yeah. So why is that coming out during Christmas? Christmas? Yeah, when they making sense. <laughs> well, when when did this one come out? When did it? When was it R. released? R. Yeah, let me look see when R. it was R. released. Uh, July thirteenth or seventeenth, two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, July uh, July nineteenth, United States. Yeah. Huh. And that's I mean that's after you know um, that's after. Uh, not Memorial Day, 4th of July. Um, so it has like a good kind of space because in the middle of the summer, I mean, you do have your summer blockbusters, but that's usually at the beginning and towards the end of the summer because you want to start the summer on a high note and then end the summer on a high note, right? So yeah. in the middle, you know, you have um, some space to kind of play around. But um, I guess in this case, you know, not many people were. I don't. I don't know if they really advertised it that much. I don't remember. See, I don't remember um, it at all. So, you know. Yeah. And, maybe it um, didn't. You know, and if it didn't really hit, especially like with critics, that also plays a part in it. You know, the whole Rotten Tomatoes and. Um, well, this you know, critic. Certain critics like like Sis, Siskel and Ebert, you know, carried a lot of weight when they came with uh, yeah. came to their reviews. So that could definitely. Um, impact the movie's chances. Just, I mean, obviously, Cisco and Eber didn't review this movie. They were both dead. But uh, well, uh, uh, Roger Moore, you know. the film critic Roger Moore, uh-huh. gave the film one and a half out of four stars. And then let's see, Kyle Smith of the New York Post said, "I'm going to quote him on this. This is what he says about the movie: For a movie that so strenuously rips off Ghostbusters and Men in Black, R.I.P.D. manages to come up with fresh new ways of being absolutely terrible." The plot manages to be fully predictable and freakishly bonkers at the same time, seemingly born of the same kind of brainstorming on LSD session that must have given us Howard the Duck. Damn. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Just makes me want to see it more. Fuck you, Kyle. I I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I like them stars that are in there. I, I... 
I personally, yeah. I like Ryan, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Everybody likes Ryan Reynolds. I mean, seriously. Uh, I like Jeff Bridges. I've liked Jeff Bridges since I was young. Had a crush on him for a long time. I'm kind of in about Mary Louise Parker. Kevin Bacon. Everybody likes something about Kevin Bacon. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm down to watch it. So if I ever come across it on any kind of streaming, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. If I come across it on like Netflix or Hulu or whatever, I'll watch it. And it wasn't fully predictable. There were parts in there. I was like, oh. Yeah. You know, critics, but I mean, you know, critics are worse than teachers. You know, how they say those that that can't, you know, can't do teach. You know, mm-hmm. critics are those that that have no creativity. Critique. <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. Um, the last one is Hard Rain. Okay. For me, yeah. Okay, I remember you mentioned it. Yeah. Um. Hard Rain. I enjoyed Hard Rain. It has um, Morgan Freeman. I like most uh, most everything he's in. Most most things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he is he is God. He's for crying Morgan. Out loud. He is Morgan uh, Freeman. Right. You know. Uh, <laughs> and you know, Christian Slater's not too bad. Um, it's been a while since he's been in stuff. And then you know, Mini Driver's all right. Randy Quaid mm-hmm. is absolute bat crap crazy, but I'm for it. And Ed Asner. <laughs> Everybody likes old Ed Asner. And Betty White is in it. Oh. There you go. Even she, better. She plays a she plays a um, a, yeah. a housewife who like who's just always nagging or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really it's really funny. And at one point in the movie, her husband like tells her to shut up, and it's just it's it's really funny. <laughs> um, it's not it's not a comedy, but there's stuff in there that was it's pretty hilarious, and maybe that's why it didn't do that good as far as its theatrical run. Oh yeah, but. It, it's it's a nice movie to watch, kind of like on a, a Saturday or a, sun, a Sunday afternoon, you know, just kind of killing time or, you know, you finished your chores. It's like a good midday once you're, well, when they used to be Saturday morning cartoons yeah. after those go off at mm-hmm. noon, mm-hmm. right? Uh, between the hours of noon and three, it's a good movie to watch on a Saturday or... It's a good movie to watch on a Sunday before prime time, like right right in between the hours of 1 p.m. and 8. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know that's very specific, but that's how <laughs> this movie is, all right? So, you know, if you need anything yeah. to do, if you just kind of want to, you know, turn Sit your brain the off. Couch. and yeah. Yeah. Sit on the yeah, couch. And, and have that yawn Yeah, right sorry. There. Yes. <laughs> It's a good movie. It's, hey, it's you, it will keep you. It'll keep you mostly entertained. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool seeing like it's, it's like an action disaster movie in a sense because the whole town floods because it's just heavy rain. Oh, nice! Like nonstop heavy mm-hmm, rain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of cool to see like the stunts and everything. Well, especially um, with what we've been going through place. with Texas lately, with all the Seriously. hard rain here. And, and it's kind of cool to see like these scenes take place at night. Mm, mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, um, it's a good time. It's not. It's not a. It's not a waste. Um, there are others on here where it's like, yeah, I don't know why the hell they like Battleship. Who the hell? Nobody's checking for Battleship. <laughs> you know, they made a movie, but it's like, why? Nobody plays Battleship like that anymore. No. They don't. Um, Battleship. I've never even heard of Ballistic X versus. Serving. Yeah, me neither. Like a lot of these, I've never heard of. I, I've honestly I've never Ooh. heard of Gemini Man. I didn't hear that. That was with um uh Will Smith. Yeah, that was I like see his it. I see. his return to like action movies, but nah. I think part of that was he was he was playing a younger version of himself. Yeah, no. 
and <laughs> general audiences have seen Will Smith grow up. Mm-hmm. So we have this idea of Will Smith younger versus Will Smith older. Yeah. So it didn't really translate. Um, Battlefield Earth is on here. I've never seen Battlefield Earth, but I know it is terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't oh, see that. Goodness. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these, again, I've heard of, but never saw. And, you mm. know, so to me, it's like, mm, I probably never watched them. You know, that's, that's all right. I mean, there's, again, you know, there's so many movies that should be on this list that probably weren't just because of maybe the, the budget wasn't extremely high so they were able to meet it um and again obviously this list is not uh exhaustive right i mean there's they 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 have limited space (laughs) or whatever so they only uh put certain ones on there um Mm -hmm. but i guess the ones that really lost money i suppose yeah, I think I mean, so. And this is just Wikipedia, so, you know. Right, whatever. there's that too. But I know <laughs> I know that Waterworld that came out in 1995, Kevin Costner, I know that that one lost a ton of money, but when I looked it up, it said that eventually it actually broke even, which, again, is not something that you want to happen when you spend $200 million on a movie, right? Is you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've got this huge budget, but they've lost money at first. In fact, it was on the list uh, for a long time, but I guess they said with, you know, other factors uh, and inflation and all that, uh, it broke even. Um, and I know that uh, for for me, uh, uh, movies that should be on the list that aren't, again, because maybe they had small budgets uh, or just enough people got duped <laughs> into seeing it. <laughs> Uh, my number one on that list would be Crocodile Dundee 3. <coughs> it was so bad. And I think I've said this before uh, in one of the, um, when we talked about movies or whatever. But uh, it was so bad. My brother and I went to go see it at a dollar movie theater and almost walked out. Ooh. Almost walked out and demanded oh, wow. our dollar bet. Because it was so bad. <laughs> just both of us just sat there like, what the fuck? And we should have known because there was like four people in the audience. And it had just come Ooh. out. Like it was its opening it, weekend. And it was already no at the way. dollar movie. Funny you say that because I don't see The Departed on this list. <laughs> the, the 2006 version. Yeah. I don't see it on here. I, mm, I, I know that movie didn't do well. Uh, probably not. But okay, and then and then did. Josie and the Pussycats. I'm sorry, it it should be on that list too. <laughs> because I mean, there's like so, one or two okay moments, but the rest of it is just oh my god, I fell asleep. It was yeah. so bad. It was really or bad. Daredevil's not on here. Oh my god, I hate that one too. Are you talking about the one with and Ben Affleck? With Ben Affleck. Anything yes. with Ben and, Affleck. And Electra. Yes. Ugh. Anything. And I love Jennifer Garner. <laughs> Anything do, with Ben Affleck. The only reason why it ever does well is the other people in the fucking movie. I, I, it, he's he's terrible in my opinion. Like like <laughs> Pearl Harbor. First of all, it's not that great of a movie. It's historically inaccurate. Although you know all the bombs and all that kind of great. Okay, the the bombing of Pearl Harbor is the best part of that movie. I hate to say that, but. <laughs> You know what I mean, you know? But yes. the acting is so shit, especially when Ben Affleck is trying to cop a Southern accent. It's like, dude, you are the worst. 
Nobody likes you. <laughs> and then, you know, like in Goodwill Hunting, Matt, is it Matt Damon? Matt Damon and, and, uh-huh. and of course, Robin Williams, duh, are the ones that carry that movie. Ben Affleck's just kind of this weird side character that kind of tags along, in my opinion. It's terrible. He's terrible. There's That's my rant about like that. Their relationship. Well, I mean, they they could have a good friendship, but do as they? far as like the the, prof- <laughs> I guess they do. But um, their um, their professional perception has always been like that. Like yeah. Matt Damon is the one who like drives everything. Ben yeah. Affleck is kind of just coasting. Yeah, yeah. Um, he supports I, Matt. You Damon. know, honestly. Yeah. Um, but Matt Damon's a good guy. He's not going to scrape him off. And, and he's, he's made know. it in his I, own right. So, you know, he was in actually, you know, he was in. Oh, here. Okay. Here's my hypocrisy again. Okay. I know I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> so fuck all of y'all. But here we go. So we talked about, <laughs> we talked about remakes, right? There is a series of movies or a, a movie, but then they become a series, even though the original was not a series, that is a remake, but it's remade so much better uh, that it's it's like the first one. If you watch the, the original, you're going to go, that's stupid as fuck. And then you'll go back to the, the remake one. And that is uh, George Clooney's Ocean Eleven. The original Ocean's Eleven uh... with the Rat Pack is some bullshit. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous piece of crap. And I can understand why it was popular when it happened, but really it's like it's not clever in any kind of way, whereas Ocean's Eleven is a clever movie. It's fun, you know, it's it's everybody likes it because of all the A-list actors in it, and all, they all play, the, it's just, it's it comes together so well that, you know, Ocean's uh, 12 was good, so was Ocean's 13. Now, when you get into the girl one, forget it, sorry, that, that was, that should be added to this list too, by the way. The, it, obviously, the Ghostbusters 2016 is, but uh, the Ocean's whatever it is with uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, no, yeah. it should, it should be on the, it should be on the, cra- <laughs> it's on, it's on the crap list. It might not have been a box office bump, but it's on the crap list. Um, so that's my hypocrisy because I, I, first of all, when I first saw Ocean's Eleven, I did not know that it was a remake, right? Of, okay. of. So is I is it a remake or a reimagining? It's it's kind of both. It's kind of okay. both because it in the original one they are going to rip off a casino, right? Uh, but it's it's done so much more cleverly, like it's written so much better. Uh, just everything comes together so much better, and the acting is even better. Uh, the Rat Pack mm. might have been good crooners for the most part, but none of them were that great of actors. They just weren't. <laughs> they just weren't. You know, <laughs> they were just what all you had back then, so <laughs> you took it. But yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> in the early '60s, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, and then so then I saw the original, like. I don't know, a couple of years ago, and it was just like, ugh, this is so boring and terrible. So mm. that one, and then also, uh, I have never seen the original, but I Am Legend is a remake also. Ah. And I like the one with I've Will Smith. Seen... Um, it mm-hmm. freaked my shit big time. Because <laughs> I'm not post-apocalyptic. I'm not into post-apocalyptic stuff very much. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's even creepier because of viruses, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and I watched it mainly. I probably would not have gone to see it, except it was at the IMAX right there. You know, we talked about this before where I went and saw Avatar with the blue people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that IMAX mm-hmm. in Grand Blank. I went with my brother, and I only went because Mike Patton does all the voices of the zombies. And I have a big, huge musical crush on Mike Patton. So I had to go and hear his growls and all that kind of stuff that he does. Because he's you know not just a musician or a singer. He's also, I guess, what you would consider a voice talent. You know, he does mm-hmm. he does voices also in like video games. I, t- I talked about this before. He did the voices in, mm-hmm. of the darkness in video game the darkness, darkness. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's why i saw it but from what i understand that's a remake also and so i've never seen okay. the original and did not know that uh until recently also okay so yeah. i don't know which one would be better because i haven't seen it but for the most part mm-hmm. i think people need to stop remaking shit um then again you know if it's made like a hundred years later maybe but i don't know maybe i don't know because like Power Rangers is on here, but the 2017 Power Rangers. Yeah. I grew up with Power Rangers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I saw not only the um, the TV show, but then I saw the first movie. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, I enjoyed it. You know, you watch it now as, as an adult, you're like, yeah, this is this is kind of bad, but <laughs> it's hard to to really critique something from your childhood because you're still looking at it through yeah. the eyes yeah, it of is. a child. You're right. You're right. right? Mm-hmm. You are right. That nostalgia factor. And, and that's what they play on, too, like when they when they redo these movies. Because even... Um, I think, too, also the language of it because we say, like, rebooting something. Yeah. Because the Dark Knight franchise of Christopher Nolan's Batman is is a reboot because it's a reboot of the Batman franchise yeah. but it's a reimagining and a retelling of his origin right, right? from Batman Begins right. all the way up through Dark Knight Rises um, and so that in a sense that makes it different because we all know the story of Batman everybody knows how Batman became Batman but a reimagining is actually showing him going to other countries and training. And then in this case, when it comes to Christopher Nolan's version, he's actually trained by Raish Al Ghul. Not Raz, Raish. That's the, the only th- two things that bothered me with Christopher Nolan's Batman was that they kept saying his name wrong. Yeah. And uh, Christian Bale's voice. But other than that, I was fine. <laughs> oh, also, uh, <sighs> Bane is not Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy did a good job as Bane, I suppose. But that's not Bane. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's not Bane. But again, it's a fictional character. The yeah. whole conversation about who gets to play what or whatever, whatever, whatever. Honestly, at this point, it's it's more just exhausting. But um, <laughs> my main my main complaints was just it's Raish Al Ghul, not Raz yeah, right. or Raz and Christian Bale's voice. Anyway, um, but again, with with Christopher Nolan's version of of Batman, it was kind of a reimagining. It's saying, okay, uh, he was trained by Rachel Gould in the League of Assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of like finding different uh, martial arts and detective masters or masters of their craft to learn different things, because in the comic books he studied with this person and that person to learn weapons and martial arts and escapology and, and criminal psychology and blah, 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 blah. That's what makes him Batman. Well, 
in Christopher Nolan's version, they kind of condensed all that and said, okay, well, he learned what he learned from um, Ducard. Um, and then you find out later he's really Ray Shangul, just, you know, for the, the plot twist of it mm-hmm. all. Um, and that rebooted the franchise because it made people interested in Batman again, as far as a movie character is concerned. Um, because it, his take on it was to say, if Batman really existed, how would he do it? Of course, he'd still have to be a billionaire because he has to have resources to certain technology. Right. Oh, definitely. But that's why the Batmobile is a tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if, mm-hmm. if if the car actually existed, it would be a souped up tank. Oh hell well, yeah! Now you now you have one, right? Mm. Um, and in in military in the real world, there are exos, exoskeleton um, suits and and advances in body yes. armor. Yes, they do. That honestly could lend itself to being a bat suit, to more or less. If again in the real world, mm-hmm. right? So um, that also. Um, help re, uh, reinvigorate interest into the character um, and also um, real world events play into this as well because now Batman's not fighting supervillains he's fighting terrorist organizations because Batman Begins came out in 2005 all the movies especially now dealing with superheroes or right and wrong and authority all of that's through a post 9-11 lens mm-hmm. so you know, your MCU does the same thing. But anyway. Um, yeah. Who else should be on this list is Rocky Five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, why do you think Rocky Five should be on there? I want to see if it's the same because reason why I do. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, do I need to say anything else? No, no really, um, you don't for me, but <laughs> there's my... It doesn't follow anything. Um, it doesn't. It, to me, it was one of those those like early '90s movies where I think they made it just to make it. And then I, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But even at the end of it, don't they have like this really bad rap soundtrack or something? <laughs> I don't remember. Like, tell you the truth. Yeah. Well, and I know they were kind of like making a parody of um, Don King with the, yeah. the one guy, I forget his name in yeah. the movie, but like, you know, touch me and I'll sue kind of thing. And like, even the way he had his hair and like all of the, the, um, you know, all the, the fancy jewelry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the story from what I remember, it's been a long time since I've seen this, but, um, his son kind of wanting to follow in his dad's footsteps or not following his dad's footsteps. And then you get Tommy Gunn's character, which they don't even bother changing his name. Um, he comes in and basically becomes like a surrogate son um, and takes up the, basically the Rocky mantle. Cause he can't fight anymore. Cause he's like, you know, punch drunk or whatever. Right. Um, it had like good, Elements are good ideas, but it's the execution that's the problem. That's the same. That's the problem I have with M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movies. It's like <laughs> you have good elements, but your execution is trash. Uh, yeah. So that's why for me, like Rocky Five, and I, and I know a lot of people's like Rocky Five doesn't exist. Like Rocky Five, we will not speak of Rocky Five, kind of a thing. Um, but it should definitely be on box office bombs list. That's for sure, because I know it didn't go straight to television or straight to video. 
I know it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it should be again. I know Wikipedia is not an exhaustive list, but I know it should be. I should be on here. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Those are my reasons. What are yours? <laughs> I, about the same. I just it wasn't. It didn't feel like r- Rocky to me. You know, mm-hmm. it just it didn't have that Rocky. I don't know. It just it just didn't it just didn't give me the same the same feeling that uh, the first you know three uh, gave me. Mm-hmm. Maybe even fourth right? too. Maybe even fourth. It just it just felt I don't know. Not it didn't feel like know. a jump the shark, but it it felt. Eh. I just it right? didn't interest me. It just it uh, yeah. It was just kind of like I was kind of yeah. bored comparatively. Right. Yeah. Because even I guess with Rocky four. <sighs> I don't know. I I didn't really care for Rocky Four that much, but in comparison to Rocky Five, it's a damn good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I know more so with Rocky Four, like it's it's part of the U.S. propaganda because uh, it's at the height of the Cold War, at least in the '80s, as far as it being materialized in pop culture, um, and it. Yeah, there's the eye candy factor of like Dolph Lundgren and. Um, um, Sylvester Stallone, yeah, mm-hmm. they look good with their shirts off. We get it. You're, you know, your 1980s muscle man. <laughs> we get it. Um, but you know, honestly, outside of that, like, there's really nothing else other than the embodiment of like the American spirit or like the the work hard. It honestly plays very directly into this the concept or the or the 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 um, mythology of like you know. American exceptionalism, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like this hardworking blue collar person who works his way up, like literally rises through the ranks up to champ, right? Loses it, comes back, right? And then is fighting now another superpower, literally, right? In the form of Russia, in the form of Ivan Drago, mm-hmm. and then beats him. Mm-hmm. And then shows compassion to say, like, at the end, well, if I can change, you can change. If I can change, you can change. You know, that that whole we are yeah, the world yeah. type <laughs> of... You see what I mean? Hype of crap in the right? 1980s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's Rocky Four. Rocky Five mm-hmm. was, I don't know, maybe, again, as we said in other episodes, if 1980s was the height of the party, well, then 1990s was the hangover. Yeah. Rocky Five is the hangover of the Rocky series. Like honestly, because then when they re- when they kind of like soft rebooted again in the early two thousands, because now like Rocky comes out and that's supposed to be like Rocky Six, but they just call it Rocky. And then the next one is about Boa. Like he comes back to fighting, but now he's like all sad and you know because I think Adrian has died in the in the canon now. Like he's a widow, a widower. Excuse me. Yeah. Um. And he's like basically trying to find himself. But again, that's the same thing with um, America as a stand-in because in the post 9-11 world, you're trying to find yourself. What do you do now? How do you how do you live with yourself? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So um, yeah, no. all of that is it's, to say. It's, 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 <laughs> it, 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 yeah, right? to me, it just didn't feel like the same. And it, it didn't it didn't give me the same feeling that the first four did. And yeah, the fourth one was all about patriotism anyway but whatever you know mm-hmm. it's in the yeah. 1980s we were feeling it i you know yeah james brown i live in america yeah. <laughs> heck yeah that song's awesome yeah. but uh it's the party yeah it's the party but, but so, yeah you're right i mean rocky five just didn't yeah it just didn't feel period it mm-hmm. just didn't feel and i think yeah, that's that's part it, of it 
it didn't hit the same way. No. It was kind of like, Because all the there. first four, all the, the first four had some kind of emotional attachment in it somehow. You know, the first one, of course, is him and Adrian getting together, right? I mean, and so, in, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's stuff about coaches and trainers and, you know, America and all that kind of stuff by the time you get to the fourth one. But the fifth one, I, I, I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. It might have been the the. <laughs> it, well, it came out in what ninety one, I think. Ninety, yeah. Um, ninety, yeah. Well, it, it might have just been like because at the end of or at the beginning of it, they don't have any money. Yeah, like, all the money they're that all he broke, won yeah. and all of the yeah, they're all broke. so it's like the bubble burst mm-hmm. in a sense, and I think maybe just that that setting up the movie that way, um, it. It, it's kind of just, it stayed there mm-hmm. I think with the Rocky story because he he became champ lost it mm-hmm. and it came back right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well we've seen that story before because we that's you know that's every story, story yeah. right? that's how that's that's how we always attach mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. to it but with Rocky five it's like well he lost it and didn't really come back he tried to I guess vicariously have a comeback through Tommy Gunn and then Tommy mm-hmm. Gunn is um you know, seems to be ungrateful, and then he becomes the villain, basically. Mm-hmm. But meh, you know, Tommy Gunn was doing the same thing that Rocky did. Mm-hmm. Like it, so it just, yeah, it didn't. You're right, it didn't hit the same way, and it was just more like y'all could have kept that. <laughs> there was right. no reason that you made yeah. this movie. The only reasons for you to make this movie. So, well, um, I want to go to there's that cult classics that did not do well at the box office. Some of these might surprise people that did not do well at the box office, but now are either extremely famous or cult classics. So I want to start with a shocker first, uh, because this one, everybody, everybody fucking knows. And it's kind of shocking in a way that it did not do very well. There's actually quite a few shocking ones on here, but I'm going to start with, um, uh, it's a wonderful life. When it came out, really? yep, when it came out, it only made $3.1 million and bankrupted Frank Capra's production company. Huh. Yeah, uh, because it, it it never, it had not, uh, uh, according to this, it would not have become a classic uh, had it not fallen into the public domain. So its copyright expired in 1974. And TV networks picked it up, and it from that point on, everybody has loved it. It's like classic, a classic Christmas movie because of television. Because you know, Christmas movies are tricky. Think about it this way too: Christmas movies before television are tricky because they come out once and then that's it. You never fucking will see it again. True. Right. In 1946. So in 1974, it's copyright ran out. Television is a thing. They like to put stuff on for the Christmas season because, you know, you're watching the claymations, right? You're watching Santa Claus Comes to Town. You're watching Rudolph, all that kind of shit. And then for the adults, here's a Christmas story. And everybody fell head over heels for this movie after 1974. So that one's a shocker. Here's another shocker. Wizard of Oz. Really? Wizard of Oz cost $2.7 million, and this is big budget for 1939, but it only made $3 million. So it was a loss of $1.1 million. Again, another movie that television brought to new audiences 
because it could. Interesting. So people my age. That is a surprise. Yeah. yeah. So so baby boomers, uh, as they got older, right, they're about 10 or so when TV starts really becoming a popular thing in the 50s, right? So baby boomers, like my parents, they start showing it on television, you know, I don't know, uh, a Saturday morning or Saturday matinee, like you talked about with, with the other one, right? With, um, hard rain. So they show it in the afternoons and kids are like, wow, what is this? Because I mean, they're born after this movie pretty much leaves the shelves, stops playing because it was released in 1939. My dad's not born till 1945. He sees it in 1954 on the television and it starts a whole new generation. Then they just keep playing it. They just play it every now and then on TV and a whole nother generation likes it. Now it's out on DVD and that kind of stuff. So people like me buy it, show it to my kids, my kids like it and so on. So, I mean, that's that it's shocking, but it, it didn't win like Academy Awards and all that shit. Here's another one, a more recent one that I was surprised. Well, that I was surprised was on it. I'll go back to some older ones again in just a minute. And that would be Shawshank Redemption. That's not a box office um, success. Nope. Shawshank Redemption only brought in $25 million. But it also came out and had to compete against Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction. Ah. Came out the same year. See, some of these box office bombs, they, they're box office bombs, but they're like critical or Oscar awards. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they didn't bring in any money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's where that, that weird line is, yeah. right? Like we talked about with, with other, some of those that are on the blockbuster, you know, lists mm-hmm. that did well. For you and I, they might have won some awards, but to me, they're shitty-ass movies. Yeah. They're not good. They're boring. I don't want to sit through two hours of a right. ship sinking. Or they made... I know what happens. Right. Or they made a lot of money but didn't win any awards, whereas some these right. movies did exactly. not make a lot of money and then win a bunch of awards. Because like, they do have award right. contender-type movies. And yes. honestly, I've never seen Shawshank Redemption all the way through. Oh, my gosh. You need to watch it all the way through. It really is good. I mean, it's it's a fantastic... 1994 was good with movies. Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, Apollo 13. I mean, they're... Uh, Lion King, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think Lion King came out in the, or that around that time, too. Yeah. 1994, 95. So, that, the year my daughter was born and the year after... Actually, the years 93 to 95. Yeah. Tons of iconic movies were pumped out like a lot the mid 90s might have been crap as far as music but movie wise it was really good you know it was a really good time i think people were and they were creative too because you got because think about forrest gump yeah you got the chance and yes in the 90s you didn't have the overbearing pall of the the world ending (laughs) exactly that too well here's another one the original willy wonka and the chocolate factory did not do well. But now, it's like an iconic 1960s, or actually came out in 1971. You know, the one with Gene Wilder, uh-huh. the one that's actually kind of crazy. Yeah. It only made $4 million. See, now that makes sense, because Psycho is the same way. They yeah, like Psycho, Psycho, Psycho but it's not on the list. But Interesting. Yeah. And so, it's it's that one, and then uh, I told you about Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. But here's a, the movie Clue in 1985. I freaking love that movie. That movie is such a fun ride. Mm-hmm. Talk about wanting to watch something at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. You got nothing else going on. Grab a bag of chips, a soda, and sit down and watch Clue. Because it is so much fun. It's got a lot of, you know, known people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just it's just really, it's fun. But it, it was a blockbuster or a, a box office bust. Mm-hmm. 
It only made fourteen point six million, and it cost fifteen million to oh, make. Wow. Uh, and then uh, The Big Lebowski. I love that movie so much. I've never seen that. And it was so much. Uh, you should see that. It's 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 an acquired taste, which is why it felt it failed in the box office, right? Uh, it only brought in five point five million, but it's awesome. And uh, there's a lot of. It's one of those movies that creates a lot of iconic one-liners. Okay. Uh. Stuff like, okay, if anybody who's listening has has watched The Big Lebowski, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say it brings the whole room together. Uh, Also, when I say shut the fuck up, Donnie, which, of course, became popular again when a certain person was president. Uh, Just the line, shut shut the fuck up, Donnie. So, I mean, those those things, you know, uh, uh, that one. And then here's another one. I love this movie so much. I could watch this movie probably, actually, most of these I could probably watch at least once every month or so. And that's Office Space. Yeah, now that one I which didn't was, see. Yeah, which was filmed you mostly. You know, it was filmed in Los Angeles and here in Garland. Okay. It only made ten point eight million dollars in the theaters, but that one, you know, hey, I got five bosses, Bob's. I got five bosses, and I do at my job. Literally, I have five bosses. So every time I think of my five bosses, I think of Office Space. And then, of course, you know, when he says, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I always feel that. I feel him pushing down the sides, you know, taking down his cubicle and slapping a fish right there on on his desk (laughs) and gutting the fish right there. (laughs) I love that part so much. And then we all know listening to gangster rap and literally beating the fuck out of a copier because PC load letter, what the fuck does that mean? We've all been there, too. If you've ever worked in an office or something like that, you know what that feels like to want to beat the shit out of a copier. <laughs> office space is wonderful. And then there's Dazed and Confused, which, eh, I saw that movie, and I'm glad I didn't pay for it. Mm. Uh, it does have some, you know, again, Ben Affleck. <laughs> and <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and it's okay, you know, it's about teenagers in the 70s, it's alright, but it's it's not, I don't know, it's a cult classic, you know, people like it, but it's, it's, I watched it once and that was good enough for me. There's only one line in it that Matthew McConaughey has that's pretty good, mm. and he says, the older I get, you know, he, he likes 19 year olds because the older he gets, the younger they get, uh, <laughs> and it's just so creepy, yeah. but, uh, Fight Club, Fight Club's on this list also, it only made $37 million. Really? Yeah, Fight Club is on the list, but everybody knows. I think it's the hype about Fight yeah, Club. Yeah, it's the hype after it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and it's it's the, it's the iconic lines. And the twist you know? too of that you know mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's character doesn't really exist. And oh my gosh, it's not a spoiler. The movie's twenty years old. It comes on FX every other Friday. I know, right? Anyway, it's on fucking Netflix and Hulu and Prime. No, I mean, come no, on, please. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And you know, I finally watched. Fight Club, I didn't see the appeal. I mean, honestly, it just gave, like, a bunch of kids at the time. It's like, dude, we're starting our own Fight Club. And you know what? First rule of Fight Club. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, that's that's the only yeah. line, right? Because everybody now uses that for everything. Yeah. You know, first rule of quilting bees. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. Like, yeah. uh, and then, let's see, the movie Heathers. I love the movie Heathers. Yeah. I saw it. <laughs> And in my opinion, it's Christian Slater's best movie, yeah, right? Yeah. And I, I, I just, I love this movie. It is so weird, of course, because it is what it is. But I mean, it just, I, I love this movie. My sister loves that movie. She, she and I watched it. Uh, she watched, it, I think, on, 
I think she watched it either on YouTube or Hulu. I can't remember, but it's on Hulu. I think she might yeah, have, she might have watched it on Hulu because it. She was mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's a dark 1980s comedy. She likes Christian Slater's character. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> she doesn't like Christian Slater, too. but she's like in this movie because his character yeah. is amazing. Yeah. yeah, in this movie, like um, she, she's right. feeling it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Um, All right, and then let's see. Uh-huh. Uh, here's here's a here's. I'm sorry. There's just a couple more, and I I I want to I do want to talk about one especially. But this one here is surprising too because everybody is so you know ah about uh what's his name. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the movie is Citizen Kane. Is Citizen Kane? Oh, uh, yeah. And then it be, it, everybody's like, it only made 1.5 million dollars at the box. Who is the director? Oh, um. Orson Welles, isn't it? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know why his name escaped me, but anyway. Uh, so, you know, I mean, everybody thinks it's like this big, huge, you know, popular movie. Well, it is more now, right. but it's about William Randolph Hearst. So, mm-hmm. and then there's Vertigo, uh, which is an Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and then there's this, uh, <laughs> um, when this one first came out, it'd be, it's now probably, if, if you think of the term, cult classic this one pops in most people's heads that it's at least my age and that would be rocky horror picture show <laughs> uh, it came out in 1975 and of course did terrible right but then 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 like smaller towns and new york cities like waverly theater you know like uh, i don't know i guess what you call them like you know chic kind of places funky kind of places off, started doing midnight Broadway. showings yeah <laughs> so they started doing midnight showings like in denton you know college towns and places that have those those kind of bohemian kind of parts of their towns mm-hmm. or cities or whatever those areas started playing them uh at midnight showings um because you know subject matter and all that if nobody's ever seen it i do suggest that you know when you're of age go see it uh <laughs> you can you know get it anywhere now too in fact i think it's on, it's on netflix YouTube. right now like yeah sure that is, too yeah. um <laughs> but it became such a thing around the, the country that around the country things were happening meaning people would go with props people acted it out in the theater while the movie was playing People brought umbrellas because of the rain scene. People always love to say, damn it, Janet. Yeah. I mean, it was, it would be, it's like a thing, especially for my generation. It was like, that was where you took, like, if you went uh, on a date or something uh, to kind of see how they were, do you take them to a Rocky Horror Picture Show at midnight? If you can, you know, if you're allowed to or whatever. I mean, it just, it become it's so this one truly is a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Like people, you know, know who Frankenfurter is. <laughs> uh <laughs> If you don't, uh, you know, go watch it because Tim Curry is absolutely amazing in this movie, and so is Susan Sarandon. Uh, she's this is like one of her first movies yeah. of all time. Susan Sarandon is that. Um, it was kind of weird seeing her. Yeah, it's just because I knew her from Alien, and um, <laughs> so it was kind of weird seeing. Wait a minute, she was an alien. Alien. Oh my gosh, I'm oh my Jeeves, I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's that's Sigourney. I Weaver. totally screwed that up. <laughs> Anyway, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susan Sarandon was in like Witches of Eastwick, yeah. and yeah, I totally messed that up. Yeah. Goodness, well, well, I mean, I saw it when you, I was okay, like ten so or she's eleven, got a movie. so you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> gotta be a sweet transvestite from from transsexual Transylvania. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been tons of stage production. Originally, it was a stage production. It was a, a play. It was a musical. So we'll have to add that to our musical thing. Okay. Well, <laughs> this one overlaps, too, because uh, The Wiz, since you mentioned The Wizard oh, of Oz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Had, I love The Wiz. Right? Um, well, Got to ease on down the road. Yes. Now, here's the thing. According to Wikipedia, the budget mm. was $24 million and the box office mm-hmm. was $21 million. Like, ah, oh, just shy. Oh, yikes. Just shy. Yikes, yeah. And it came just out shy. in 1978. So this is before mm-hmm. um, Michael Jackson started becoming Michael Jackson because that didn't happen until basically. It was before the wall, right? Yes, right. Off the wall it came out before the wall, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. Off the wall came out in 79. Like right after it. Yep. And, well, mm-hmm. because, because Michael Jackson met Quincy Jones on The Wiz because he did the music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I... I did not know there was The Wiz until I was about seven or eight. I think I was seven. Really? Yeah. I was eight when I saw it because I saw it in the theaters when it came out. I, um, it just happened to come on TV. I loved it. And I was with my, so on Sundays, like my dad would go to work or whatever. And um, so, and this is before my sister was born. Um, mm-hmm. So on Sundays, I kind of would just like watch whatever my mom was watching. And so she's flipping through the channels and the whiz is on and, you know, she's all excited because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes it back to her, you know, her childhood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's the whiz? And she's like, it's basically the black version of Wizard of Oz. Oh, mm-hmm. well, what's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I knew what the Wizard of Oz was. I was like, oh, OK. And then when she she had me, when she said Michael Jackson's in it, done. <laughs> done. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I mean, like, you know, yeah. Michael Jackson's in it. Like, you ain't got to say nothing else. I, I already like it. Right. Um, and then <laughs> I think, I honestly, and I'm not saying this just for the effect of the story, but I honestly think she turned it to when they were singing Ease on Down the Road. <laughs> yeah. And from then, I was, I was hooked as a kid. When I get older <laughs> mm-hmm. and I watch it, it's like, um, I think it's, um, Nostalgia critic, it is. It's nostalgia critic, and I want to say cinema sins, but they do, um, you know, what's wrong. I love cinema sins. I think they do what's wrong with the movie, and so there's a part where they do yeah. ease on down the road, where they yeah. don't show you actually easing on down the road. It's just this wide take of of <laughs> Diana Ross and Michael Jackson dancing, <laughs> and it's like. Yeah. Okay, for an entire song talking about going somewhere, you stayed in one place. Uh, you stayed in one place. <laughs> like, I'm going to need y'all to... <laughs> and, and you could have... I realized this is the 70s, so there's only so much you can do practically. However, all you have to do is set up, like, one of those moving, uh, uh, moving scenes to make it look like you're going somewhere, right? And just film it in, but it, in well, film it or frame it in in a way where it looks like like the background is moving, but of course you're staying. That's what they that's what they do in the first one because the first one was on a set. It wasn't right, but they didn't do that in the Wiz. Anything. Like yeah. they just showed them standing in front of the <laughs> in front of the uh, in front of the yellow brick road, yeah. and then they just kind of yeah. like dance and you know do their thing. But I'm like, why didn't you show them actually easing <laughs> on down the road? <laughs> exactly. Um, Gotta do what the song said. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Um, and then there were some of the songs, like their rendition, "Ease on Down the Road." Of course, we all know. Um, some of the stuff. This is why, with with um, especially "quote unquote" black music or film or or um, mm-hmm. or pop culture, it's always a critique of how you navigate this system. 
Because with Michael Jackson yeah. as the scarecrow, it's like you can't win, you can't get over, and you can't get out of the game. Sound familiar? That's why yeah. I love these things where it's like, okay, here's why um, you interject very mm-hmm. subtly because it makes you like once you learn the lyrics, you actually go, oh, I get that. Like it. I get that comment. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah. And then they have like the fun stuff where they go to um, oh the Emerald City and it changes colors. So it's like, uh-huh. you know, um, I wouldn't be ca- <laughs> I wouldn't be seen green or or no, I was it? I wouldn't be caught dead red. I'd rather be seen green and stuff like that. It's and it's funny because it it changes like on a on a drop of a dime. And I think like that's like the commentary of like how the masses just quickly change their minds just because one person said to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah. my favorite is um, Diana Ross when she like uh, she kills the. Um, the queen was all the Evelines or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. the, can you feel mm-hmm. a brand new day? I really love that song. I don't, I don't care what nobody yeah. said. I don't care what nobody said. Um, but yeah, apparently that movie, it, it, as far as cult classic is concerned, because um, I know it was a Broadway play or a stage show um, before the movie. Um, and then since it's been um, redone, I guess that's the one place where I guess where the whole reboots thing is kind of like a wash because I mean it's it's Broadway so you know I guess you can only do so much on Broadway until you come up with something new I don't know I mean how many times yeah, Rent maybe. or Avenue Q or apparently True. The Wiz uh, you know how many times have, the, have those been done with just different cast members over the years so you know yeah, that's like true. Like Aida that's true. and all that. Um, there's also yeah, that's so- it's not on this list but um, cop and a half. Um, oh yeah, I remember that movie. Right, I loved that movie because mm-hmm. I wanted to be Devin Butler. I think he was like eight or ten <laughs> at the time. Uh, well, the character, whatever. Um, I was like, that could be me, <laughs> and I could hang out with Burt Reynolds as my uh, police officer Aww, escort. Yeah, dude, you know, that would have been fun. Yeah. Oh well. And Ruby D was his grandmother, and yeah. um, let me see. I don't know because I didn't see a hyperlink for it. I don't know Wikipedia necessarily, but that's... I just typed it in and it went to Wikipedia. Oh, it did. Okay, good. I I just typed it in to the Google bar, right. and it went. It had it there. All right, cop. It's there. And a half. Cop and a half. Yeah. Yes. I don't think I ever. Did I see that one? I might not have seen well, that one. It, it did well compared I'm to the budget. I'm adding it to budget, my list. Because the budget was $4 million and it grossed $40 million, So it's technically a... Oh! It did... A box office it, hit? Yeah, you know, technically as far as the numbers are concerned. Uh, and a pay, Oh, I did not know that there is a sequel. Cop and a Half, New Recruits. Came out in 2017. I'll have to watch that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah, what's that one about? Interesting. <laughs> and Joey Lawrence's song is in the. Uh... Yeah, okay. I remember that song. So I didn't. <laughs> I had the. I had the VHS. Yes, those VHSs were old. And um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I'm saying that for the younger, younger, <laughs> like a VHS. What's that? Mm-hmm. It's a tape. Anyway, um... <laughs> it's a big. It's a big cassette tape. Is what it is. <laughs> That's all it is. Right? It's a giant cassette. A giant tape. cassette tape that gives you moving pictures. Anyway, 
So um, <laughs> I did not know that at the end of the credits, they actually had the music video for uh, Nothing My Love Can't Fix. I didn't oh, okay. know that. And I've had, I had it I didn't for either. years. Yeah. And I just let it play one day because I think I was like in the middle of cleaning up or whatever. And then at the end of the credits, um, it says, stay tuned for Joey Lawrence's music video. I was like, I've had this tape at the time for like 10 or 12 years. And I'm just now finding out that there's a music video at the end of it. Huh. <laughs> I didn't know you did that. And then this is around the time that DVDs were starting to become more prevalent. So DVDs did the same thing. But now mm-hmm. you could just go to the go to it on the menu. So it's like the special features yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> well, ha. Huh. Who knew? <laughs> that is hilarious. Mm-hmm. So those those two um gosh. M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movies apparently are not on list of box office bombs, but they should be. Like the Avatar, The Last Airbender <laughs> is not on this list, and it should be. The movie, The Last Airbender, was trash. You destroyed the mythology. You destroyed the um, the series as far as people's like, look, look, we like the animated series. I guess it was a, I, I, I don't think it was a, an actual book, but whatever. Um, either way, that movie was terrible, as as are all of his other movies. Uh, the Sixth Sense is overrated, in my opinion. That's just mine. Um, what? Lady in the Water is trash. The Happening is trash. Uh, mm. The Village is trash. Like, again, The Others is trash. <sighs> you have good ideas, mm-hmm. but your execution is terrible. And I understand. Yeah, I, will, I will give him somewhat not a pass but I I will empathize a little bit because as a writer and as somebody who is trying to put something together I understand how you can get lost um, in your project because you're trying to do something and it's just not coming together the way that you'd like but where I draw the line there is that okay it didn't come together the way that you like but you still went ahead and did it Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was t- yeah, and you're right. I was telling Doug. So, so for those of you like who who like Shamalama Ding Dong, sorry, but not sorry. And also, <laughs> the the Blade Runner uh, 2029, 2049. So when I watched it the other night, to me, it was like a a. The movie Dune, which, by the way, should also be on that list. It was a piece of shit. The original Dune, like back in 19-whatever. So it was long and tedious and drawn out and didn't make any sense like Dune. But it tried to have a twist like Shamalama Ding Dong. And it did not pull it off. <laughs> it did not. So I just sat there like, hey, Doug, this is like a Shamalama Ding Dong mixed with Dune. And he's like, yeah. It's <sighs> I'm like, yeah. He's nicer than I am because I'm like, this is a piece of shit. I paid, and here's the bad part. I paid $4 for it on Prime. Ouch. To rent it. Yes. $4 in almost three hours. You'll never get back. I'm sorry. That's what I said. (laughs) I said, you know, I'll gladly get rid of the money to get my three three hours back. (laughs) Yeah, that's a dollar an hour. (laughs) (sighs) 
It was awful. I don't mean hey, we could do maybe uh, no no because then we we be wasting the audience's time. We could do a whole episode on M Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong movies. I respect our audience. Uh, no, you know, yeah, not to do I do that. too. I don't want to. I don't want to torture yeah, them that way. No. They can torture themselves if you don't know or if you've never watched a M Night Shyamalan movie or whatever his name mm-hmm. is, real name is. Just go do yeah. it. Just just suck it up and do it. And you know, I, I guess the one that everybody likes the most is is what's that one with the with the kid in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one that everybody talks the most mm-hmm. about. Okay, so go watch that. Just just go, and uh, I'm not gonna even spoil it, even though goddamn, that's like 30 years old. So whatever, <laughs> but go watch it, and and then you'll understand what we're talking yeah. about. It's, the, the it's just they they com- aren't done well. In comparison to his other movies, The Sixth Sense is is more coherent in comparison to the other, to his yeah. other movies. My The Village took too long mm-hmm. to get to the point. That's that's the thing I didn't like about it. Like I like the idea. Again, like you said, idea is great. Mm-hmm. But it just it took too long for her to realize she's living in a fucking nature preserve. Right. Or <laughs> <laughs> and that the, the the monsters are like just normal people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if the commentary is going to be, um, sorry, even if the commentary is going to be with that, like the monsters are the real people, who's the real monsters kind of a thing. Yeah. The oh idea. God. Whatever. Well, the idea is kind of cool, but your execution is terrible. Same thing with mm-hmm. Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that movie made me mad. Because yeah. um, being mm-hmm. about superheroes, I was interested in it. But... Um, the way that it ended, just this abrupt, like honestly, it ended the way like those like Lifetime or made for TV movies ended, where it just has like a caption at the end, like so and so did this and so and so did that. Oh I was like, yeah, oh, wait I a fucking, minute, that's so lazy. Yes, like that's wait a minute, lazy, Hold up. you lazy had me sit through a damn near three hour movie just for you to end it like that. Yeah, that's so lazy. Trash. That's like the laziest shit. And then when you think ever. about it, like Bruce Willis's character, apparently his weakness is water. I'm going like well, <laughs> the human body is composed of like eighty percent or something of water. <laughs> so does this mean this man can't shower? Does this mean he can't drink anything? Does it mean like so what when he pees, like I mean you're vulnerable anyway when you're standing there. He better just eat a lot of hydroxy cut to hydrate himself. I, or uh dehydrate himself, yeah, sorry. Right? Or um, you know, like so does that mean any liquid? Right? I don't understand. And then apparently fast forward, um glass apparently is in the same universe. Um as with Split, and that was like Split was like his return to form, quote unquote. Um, okay. M Night Shyamalan, anyway, like because Split was about split personalities, but then um, the twist is that it ties into Unbreakable, and then Glass is supposed to be a sequel to that. Um, but in Glass, that's too much. Exactly right. You're doing <laughs> too much. And then uh, in Glass, apparently Bruce Willis's character dies. Because he drowns in a fucking puddle. Because remember, water is his weakness. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> really? So if your punk ass showed up, so all anybody ever, if you if you showed up, right, to a bank robbery, all I got to do is set off the fire alarm system and the sprinklers come on. What the hell are you gonna do? Like. <laughs> Are you serious? Water. And how is that not written into the, the, the movie then? Because like 
Okay, before I rescue people, I have to go uh, make sure that the sprinkler system is not work. working. Hey, Mr. Unbreakable, you want to go to a pool party? <laughs> Gosh. I just, I just, apparently, that movie uh, made me very mad, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I was really... Because that's the worst weakness to have. That's so dumb. I was hot. It, it's, that's just dumb. His, again... Cool concepts, not the water part, but like cool concept. Because the movie was about him <laughs> discovering that he was a superhero. What do you do when you discover you have? Because mm-hmm. I think he has super strength, um, and which makes him unbreakable. So it's like, oh wow, what what is the the psychology when you discover this this new thing? You're afraid, you're intrigued. That's a very cool idea. That's a that's a different take on a superhero that we hadn't seen at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what mm-hmm. does happen when you? realize you're a superhero or that you have at least you know these abilities what do you do with that right that's a cool idea mm-hmm. but the, that is. movie was trash yeah, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. um last last little bit on in my shaman ding dong and then we'll move on um and, and, yeah, well, and wrap it up it's two hours yeah. so we should yeah, probably wrap, wrap it up, up. Yeah. um but yeah. my last little bit is <sighs> he did a tv show a few years back I think it was like a place beyond the pines or something like that, something like that. And um, long story short, it was supposed to be um, this uh, this horror anthology series or whatever. Anyway, what ends up happening is the the humans, the human cast that we're introduced to, they think they're being haunted or or terrorized by like these things, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out, and this is the problem with M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong Ding Dong is that he jumps the shark. It turns out oh, that yeah. the the characters that um, we become attached to aren't living in modern day times. They're living 125 years into the future, and the creatures mm-hmm. that are attacking them are actually humans who have been mutated by a post apocalyptic threat. And what we see as, quote unquote, the normal world isn't actually uh, the world. It's a, a, a simulation of what the world used to be before said apocalyptic event. Now, mind you, Mm-mm. when you learn all of this, this is in season two in the middle of the season. Um, and there's been no hint to any of this. So, the again, the uh. twist that he does and the execution of it. The problem is that in order for the twist to have the payoff, you have to set it up, right? Now, you don't want to give yeah, it away. You don't yeah. want to telegraph, obviously. That's where the, the writing comes in. But That's why Saul was so good because right? there were hints everywhere. Uh-huh. You just didn't necessarily put them together. And then it, at the end, you're like, Ugh. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's why, okay, the sixth sense in a way pays off if you're paying attention to Bruce Willis's character. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That makes sense. You get a satisfying payoff. But Mm -hmm. in things like Unbreakable and The Outsiders and any other movie outside of The Sixth Sense, it's like you just do Mm -hmm. it to do it. It's like, oh, what a twist. Yeah. But it makes no sense. That's like me waking up in the... A twist for twist's sake is exactly. terrible. Like, if I set up this whole story mm-hmm. and then say, oh, by the way, uh, I'm really Bruce Springsteen. Like, like, 
what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna set up this entire thing that like that I am, you know, a superhero. I and this is the life that I lead, and this is my secret identity. And then the twist is actually no, I'm Barack Obama. Huh? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but that's an M.I. Shyamalan uh-huh. movie. Yep. So, exactly. So anyway, that, no, I, I agree with you on this shim limiting yeah, going That's crap. my second off kilter for today. And none of his movies are on this <laughs> list, which I'm like, they should be on this list. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, but again, you know, what's good and what failed box office oh, no, that doesn't did, necessarily. Oh, no, those definitely you know. had box office flops. Those were not uh, 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 box office uh, blockbusters. They weren't. The Happening lost money. Not only was it trash, but it did not make any money. In fact, let me pull it up. Let me see. Just Yeah, see. I'm curious. The Happening. All right. Well, again, that just proves that you know these lists are not comprehensive you know they don't have everything on it Uh, because i you know mm -hmm. some of the other ones we mentioned can't have made any money all right well it received generally negative reviews but according to wikipedia the reason why it's not on this list is because it cost 48 million to make but it made 163 million worldwide so it recouped its budget that's what um especially with horror movies, whether they're good or bad, that's how they continue to be made because they're made very cheaply. And so if people go to see it, it usually makes its money back. That's why it's not on the list. Oh, yeah. Tricky. Gotcha. Yeah, it is tricky. Uh That's how you get away with it. That's why it's not on the list. So according to the numbers, it would say that, no, it's not a box office bomb because of its budget compared to its... uh, profit but the movie is still trash trust me on that yeah yeah <laughs> anyway I'm about to look at uh, some of his other movies but again I don't want to torture our listeners I've done enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway so wrapping this up alright yeah we should wrap up yeah so again you know same way with, with blockbuster you know or, or box office blockbusters uh, you know, the the just because it made a lot of money doesn't mean everybody liked it mm-hmm. or that you would like it. And just because it lost a lot of money, obviously, you know, um, especially with those ones that I listed that are, you know, famous worldwide, doesn't mean that it's not a good film. And Shawshank won a ton of awards, I believe, and it just didn't do well at the box office because it had too much competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is long. <laughs> um <laughs> But it's like when you watch it, it's it's really good. And so, uh, you know, that that's that's the, the thing about movies, though, is it the subjectiveness of it, the timing of it, like we talked about with that, too. Um, how you're going to market it, like, uh, you know, Harry Potter, uh, those movies, and the Lord of the Rings, as far as book adaptations, had so much advertisement. They were such big budget that they had enough backing to be able to promote it whereas some of the big budget movies don't have anything left over for advertisement and if you can't advertise it nobody's going to go see it you just can't rely on word of mouth for something that is going to you know cost a lot of money and so you know i mean that's that's a uh, yeah and definitely we need to you know have a different list of just shitty ass movies that should have lost money damn it but didn't <laughs> <laughs> 
Like Shamalim Ding Dong movies. Or, um, hmm. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Anyway. <laughs> Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee 3 in, in Lost, Lost in Los Angeles or whatever it was. Australia saved its ass as far as worldwide money is concerned. <laughs> Australia, come on. I know he's your, he's your, you know, homegrown, but seriously, plus Paul Hogan's a dick. So just let it go. He's a dick of a person. <laughs> Let it go. The first one was great. The second one was meh. And the third one, ugh. What about Mannequin? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did not see that movie. I lied about seeing that movie four times, but I never saw it. <laughs> oh, man. Didn't we do yeah. a 1980s movie? No, we did 1980s music. Hey, we'll do 1980s movies yeah. next season. We need to do 1980s movies. Yes, next season. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, so actually the uh, this one will come out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll be joining us. You'll be listening to this on 6-10-2021. Uh, and then uh, next week, join us. We'll be talking about our favorite musicals, which I'm excited about. Um you might actually hear me sing terribly. I don't care. I'm going to do it. Because some of those, some songs from some musicals are just so amazing. They're fun. Uh, and then, yeah. And then uh, we'll, on the 24th, um, we join us for our uh, season finale about travel. Yes. That should be fun. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, different modes of travel, how it is to fly. How okay? So I'm old enough, and Byron is too. But me, definitely, I was an adult, uh, flying before 2001 uh-huh. and flying after 2001. But you, Byron, will be able to tell us what it's like flying before COVID, pseudo before COVID, and then pseudo because it's not completely right, after yeah. but it's pseudo after yeah. yeah yeah and you know maybe i'll i'll have uh lizzie uh email us because she and john have been flying uh you know back and forth so i'd like to hear their experiences too um as far as travel and uh, a couple days after that actually liam goes to michigan to visit his bio dad so ah. he'll like a heads up <laughs> <laughs> as to what it's like but you know the the whole idea also for those you know who who don't do the traveling but uh pick up drop off the travelers you know what that's like now also post uh pre and post terrorism (laughs) and pre and post covid uh, because it has changed so so yeah that's you know two thursdays from now so you know keep joining us and uh uh let's go ahead and go into our end credits what's the music byron all right Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the music at the beginning, that song is entitled Roadblocks. You can find that on YouTube by yours truly, Byron Alexander. Uh, The music at the end of this podcast is the instrumental version of Square One that you can find on YouTube. Uh, Also, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, anywhere you can find music. Uh, my album is there entitled Square One, where you can hear the original version in its entirety. Um, you can also hear my music on another podcast. Uh, the podcast is titled Women Committing Crimes, and the music for that podcast is the instrumental versions of Very Well I Know, and the end credit song is Who. Um, I 
love that podcast. It's very informative. You learn a lot about women committing crimes. Hosted by Tammy Chase. Um, very, <laughs> very informative. Very educational. Um, very shocking with some of those women. It's like, good grief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What do we see? Men do not have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do not have a monopoly on heinous crimes. Right? Well, I mean. I guess the subtext, sure. women committed crimes in subtitle, bitches be crazy. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I should add that. Just, I should add that as the description for the, for the podcast. <laughs> bitches be crazy. Hell yeah, they are. Well, thank you. Yes. For saying that. And I, I do re- highly recommend Byron's album. Uh, I use it to work out. Um, and then I also, you, you know, like to crank it with my windows down, my sunroof open, um, and just have it loud when I'm driving to from work. Actually, anywhere I go, um, I like to listen to it. It's 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 great. You know, it's got all kinds of of contemplative, but yet rock, yet R and B, yet just all kinds of of music on there. Um, and I love it. So, and I do appreciate you letting me use it for women committing crimes. Mm-hmm. Yes, podcast about these bitches be crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I think that's uh, that's it. For us today okay that's all i have that's all i have all right awesome so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say goodbye and then you say goodbye. all right well guys <laughs> oh uh, if you want to reach us <laughs> oh my god <laughs> son of a bitch if you want to reach why us why do i keep forgetting that yes please do Please do. You tell us about your box office uh, bombs, whether you like them or not, or if you want to defend Emmett Chamalama Ding Dong, you're more than welcome to. I don't, I don't care. Um, but you can... Or defend, and I, I dare you to defend Crocodile Dundee 3. I dare you. Uh, you could do. Or Rocky 5. Or no, Rocky 5. Gosh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, tell us. how to get in touch with us. <laughs> Yes. Um, at off kilter, no filter at yahoo.com. Or you can reach us at mm-hmm. our Facebook group, which is off kilter, no filter Facebook group. Or mm-hmm. you can reach us on Twitter at no kilter. Or. That's it. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. Those three. Or again. Yes. E- for now, <laughs> actually. We, I am. I am. Devi- I'm designing a website this summer. Uh, for off kilter no filter that way we can have some samples of stuff some of course copyright free samples mm-hmm. yeah right uh, cuz you know luckily luckily <laughs> things like uh wizard of oz and shit like that are you know copyright free yeah <laughs> cuz they've been in the vaults too long mm-hmm. so you know we can put like sample music of that on there um and but you know there are copyright free pictures and stuff that I can find on the internet, so we can have visuals that go along with you know uh, our our episodes and all the episodes will be there. I have not designed it yet, so I don't even have a web address for you yet. But it will be coming probably by the time um, by the time uh, we start our next season, which would be July 1st <laughs> right <laughs> so <laughs> so look for it for season two all of season one stuff will be on there though so um, you know again I will make sure that I have a web address for that <laughs> we get to it alright <laughs> alright yeah so yeah email us or get in contact so with that's us that's it yeah that's yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have alright so all bye right, guys take care stay safe see you next time bye bye